everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is for the week covering Friday, April 8th, 2022. It is my mother's birthday, 82nd birthday. Well, it's just the 82nd birthday. It is her 82nd birthday on Friday. So, yeah, I'm, exci- I'm excited for that. It's 82. I, I, Eric, are you, or Bruce, are you close to 82 whatsoever? How old are, you, are both of you guys? Eric, you're 44. Is that right? Yes. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. I'm 50. I and, lost track after 20. And Bruce you're, Bruce, you're 32, right? Is that correct? I'm closer to eight. 82, then I am to zero. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that is very good. This week, we're covering a whole bunch of movies, a whole bunch of really interesting movies, five movies, maybe a couple of them might be really worth your time. Eric, is out of all the the five, did you find something that might be you're excited to talk about? Any of them? Uh, Yes. In fact, uh, when we get to our uh, recommends for this week, I'm very excited to talk about them. Okay, very, very cool. And Bruce, what about you? Is there one banger this week that you're just, you can't wait to talk about? One, one thing that really surprised you? Or was the crop kind of good? Was the crop okay for you? The crop was okay for me. I don't think anything was a full on terrible movie, in my opinion. I know that Eric was very moved by one of them, at least. So moved? Well, he was really moved by one of them? Oh, yes, cool. He was. Was he grilling something on on the uh, the barbecue pit while you were watching this, Eric? Were you a nice steak? What kind of steak would you put on a grill? Were you? I, I wouldn't call it a steak. I'd say I may have uh, eaten a cow pie, though. <laughs> you might have eaten a cow pie. That might allude to one of the movies we're covering today. Let me just t- say about without teasing. These are the five movies we're covering: Barbarians, Cow, Midnight. Alaskan Nets. What is Alaskan Nets about? That's a documentary. And last but not least, well, maybe least, Metal Lords <laughs> from Netflix. From Netflix. Let's see if if it's least. I was complaining about this movie. Actually, I was sort of hate watching Metal Lords on Netflix, which is weird because I'm the usually the Netflix shill. We'll see. Maybe I change my mind. If or not, I change my mind on this movie. Would like to hear what Eric and Bruce think about this because Eric Holmes, are you a lifelong metal fan? Would you consider yourself a lifelong metal fan, or is that too broad a description as far as your musical tastes? I am certainly uh, certainly into metal, but uh, I'm also into uh, pop music, eighties music, uh, classical, classical music, maybe Brahms, so, yeah, Beethoven. Okay, sometimes. good. I, okay. I dig on some Chopin sometimes. Chopin, um, Chopin. Okay, yeah. Okay, Bruce. Uh, we, we like the meatloaf, meatloaf, okay. metal, and Wagnerian. I guess yes. so. That's the that's the metal and the classic. Uh, R.I.P. Jim Steinman. R.I.P. Jim Steinman. Yes. And Bruce, what about you? Do are you? Were you? Was there a time in your life when you were just a, what? What do they call it? A metalhead. Were you ever a metalhead, or did you just appreciate metal in a deep fashion uh, during your youth? In my very, very youth, youth, yes, I was a metalhead until about the new wave of British had a British heavy metal, and I kind of jumped off into punk at that point. Um, at one point, we were in the Motorhead Bangers head bangers club or something we used to talk to the guy there who had a polaroid of himself with bon scott before he died and sent it to us i can't believe that wow um yeah so yeah okay you've had you've had your moments with the genre and we'll see if metal lords actually speaks to us there's actually this one i'm thinking of one of the movies right now that really affected me in, in a positive light really can't wait to talk about that so there's there's a whole bunch of films and maybe there might be a couple movies we don't like I don't know. Eric mentioned was mentioning one of the movies, and I'm really excited that when we get to talking about that. Before we get to talking about movies, let's just do a little bit, a little bit of a mini intro because I don't like to do intros for three hour plus excursions with awesome filmmakers like Maddie Doe 
Eric Holmes, I'm going to actually cut this part of the podcast. Oh, I'm not going to cut the pod. I'm going to leave this on the podcast. And for you podcast listeners, go to our Cinematics YouTube channel and check out Eric Holmes's William Lindis from our, our, our buddy from our Movie Bears podcast there and Bruce Perky. They all interview Matty Doe. Again, Eric Holmes, what can you tell our listeners, viewers who are going to watch this three hour epic? Probably, I'm going to drop it probably in the next several days. So, yeah. Well, first of all, it's less of an interview and more of a hangout, really. Uh, just uh, we're day drinking and Maddie's night drinking. And uh, it's, I, I don't know what would you say, Bruce. I, I believe you said it never really got on the rails. <laughs> yeah. I was saying like a stopped clock, like you keep driving, eventually you hit the rails and then go back off the other side. And, you know, you'll get on the rails here and there, I guess. In fairness, though, I think I'm about 40% finished with a three hour conversation and she really talks a lot about her the origins of her career how she got to Lao and all that stuff so give you guys some credit you guys sort of interwove a, a bit a bit of her own life into the conversation is that correct i mean that's pretty cool yeah yeah it was quite fun and she's such a rock star anyway and so it's always a it's always a treat to uh, hang out and talk to her especially for as long as we did probably one of the well, best day drinking events i've had in recent memory and if you make it to the second half, I believe she talks about a future project she may never make, but it oh, sounds yeah. really fun. So I think that's definitely value added because a lot of times directors don't want to, or creative people don't want to talk about something in advance. And she's just talking, to, just talking about like spitballing ideas about it. And it was a lot of fun. So Right. And maybe Eric, I guess you, you and Bruce are going to talk about some of many of those previous works as a part of the recommendation of this podcast. Eric, are you, are you excited oh. to talk about that a little bit as well? Uh, yeah, very excited. We're uh, uh, Chantelay and Dear Sister. And we might even, uh, we don't have it written down, but we'll probably weave in a little bit of creep show on there as well, just to, you know, round everything out. If it's not written down on my Google Doc, it doesn't count, Eric Holmes. Oh, we'll just, we'll just bring it up. <laughs> very <laughs> like, good. And also, there was Creep Show. Season Eric, three, episode six. <laughs> no, Eric Holmes. I'm kidding. Eric Holmes being the being the diplomat. We will bring that up very, very soon. And as, as I'm saying this, Bruce Perky is actually helping the cause, Eric's cause, by actually typing the Creep Show episode into our Google Doc. Very, very good, Bruce Perky. Coming in at the last minute, like I always do with our screeners. By the way, we are about two hours late because Bruce and Eric had to wait for me while I finished the last movie of the week. So thank you guys for letting me enjoy this movie called midnight but before we get to midnight oh yeah definitely check out the maddie doe what is it called eric and bruce what did you guys call this whole three hour thing what is it called what did you what's the moniker for it i think it's a long sip but i've been calling it the maddie dossier which also kind of works okay the maddie should i call it the so it's the maddie doe dossier right maddie doe dossier or the long sip either way yeah the long long sip i think is the what's on the what's on the file name but okay We'll, we'll, we'll see Bruce Perky, long sip. <laughs> Bruce Perky, you are, you are you are Mr. Number One YouTube influencer. As a, I'm kidding. <laughs> what would you what would you title it? The Long Sip with Maddie Doe Part One or the Maddie Doe Dossier Part One? If you're on your YouTube title, um, I would title it Maddie. Don't be afraid of the perk. That's what I call it. Maddie, don't. (laughs) Always a help. Bruce Perky, thank you so much for that. Now, let's start off with our first movie. I'm actually going to throw this to Eric Holmes. We have five movies. I am am so sick of actually going by my rules on what movies we should cover first. Eric Holmes, what is the first movie we should cover first? Oh, Barbarians. We can talk about Barbarians, I guess, because that was the first one up top. Oh, might as well 
Might as well work our way down. Okay, might as well work our way down. Bruce, how do you think of that? Eric, Eric is just going with the program like like a like a good soldier. I, I wanted a little bit of uh, some some anarchy from Eric. What do you think about that, Bruce? Are you okay with the going up going uh, up to down or down to up? Are you fine with that? Up down. Inside, outside, sure. You're okay. You're okay with that? Okay, well, let's go with what Eric wants, and let's go with Barbarians. Simply put, Barbarians, it's not a story about Barbarians set in some kind of, I don't know, some dark, during the Dark Ages. No, this is set in pretty much modern day, okay? It's a couple named Adam and Eva. Eva's Catalina Sandino Moreno, and the, the other actor is... Ewan Rion, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he he, he played the pretty much the biggest a hole, one of the biggest a holes in Game of Thrones. So they're a couple, they're they're really well to do, and they're trying to celebrate Adam's birthday, and they're going to bring up bring in another couple as well for a nice, wonderful dinner at their beautiful, new, beautiful sort of mansion out in the countryside. Yeah, the Catal- Catalina Sandino Moreno's character, she's a sculptor, and the the movie begins. What you get to see her working on her beautiful piece, which is outside the residence. They're a very well-to-do couple. You're expecting a really nice, well-to-do meal with some really pretty, pretty professionals who are all really rich. And it starts off like that, and then it devolves into a home. I mean, devolves, I guess, in maybe in a good way, into a home invasion thriller. That is the premise behind Barbarians. There's obviously some different layers to this, but really, at the heart of it, it's a lean and mean thriller that runs 89 minutes. It is the, it's directed and written by Charles Dorfman. Let's see if Eric Holmes found Barbarians interesting because Eric Holmes over, I guess the past two years, you've, you've mentioned and you've picked your, your share of home invasion thrillers and you've rated them yourself, yourself. What do you think of this? Does it live up to the genre or is it below that level? Well, uh, first of all, we flagged this on uh, cinematics, the last episode of cinematics. And I saw the, I just uh, saw the trailer and it looked like a dark comedy, a home invasion, but like a dark comedy. And then I watched the movie. I was like, oh, is this <laughs> the trailer did not sell the movie that I just watched. It's, it's certainly got dark comedic elements, but this is, this feels a lot more dead serious, at least more so than the trailer might have you believe. It's uh, pretty much through the whole thing. It's uh, a relationship drama, just dealing with the, the two couples. Not quite as serious as something like Mass, but you know, it, it's got that you know kind of uh, limited storytelling element to it. And then the uh, home invasion. I don't know. You can cut this if this is a spoiler. I don't think it is. But the home invasion doesn't happen until like the last third of the movie and then when that happens it's about what you might expect from a home invasion movie you know there's some twists and turns and whatnot i was just i was kind of i was taken aback by this one mostly because uh probably from my own expectations of what i thought this movie was going to be and then when i kind of settled into what it is you know it's pretty decent uh relationship drama it's got some decent character work yeah, it it wasn't quite as exciting as I thought it would be, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. This was kind of a pretty good version of whatever it is they were going for, which was actually it a, sounds really bad. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what, did it sound like a? It sounds like a middle of the road review for you. It's right down the middle. No, it's it's it's. I, I couldn't. I was having trouble getting on its wavelength because I I I was trying to figure out what this movie was, and again with my preconceived notions but this this goes in a different direction than i thought it would so it took a while for me to kind of get line up with it i guess get on its wavelength 
And then I, by the time it gets to the the home invasion stuff at the end, then it got it, it got a little better for me. That that's a little more what I was looking for. But even then, like I, I was expecting a little more comedy here, and there was almost none uh, that that I can think of. Right. Good point. I agree with you. I was expecting a home invasion thriller. And I, what I got was a relationship drama drama for a lot of the film. And I think I just took it on that train. And I think as a relationship drama, it worked for me as entertainment. But you're right. If you're expecting a home invasion thriller, maybe 10 minutes right off the bat, you might dis- be disappointed. So temper your expectations for Barbarians. Wondering where you, Bruce, landed on this movie. I think I'm pretty similar to both of you. I, I think it's interesting because... Eric says uh, he had a hard time getting on the wavelength, and I think that's kind of the problem with this movie. I had written down at one point kind of an interesting mess. Like, I think it it tries to do – it seems like it would be a lean, mean character drama or home invasion movie, but it's a little bit of a lot of things. And I think at its heart, it's trying to kind of be a – maybe a millennial version of Straw Dogs, kind of. Good where point. you've got a yeah. main character who's very beta and they got this very alpha, almost Joe Rogan-ish kind of uh, influencer dude as a friend who's trying to constantly kind of, you know, emasculate him in front of the women in his life. There's a lot of kind of heavy-handed symbolism with a fox and stuff. And and then I think this home invasion piece is almost like a – it's almost like a gimmick to force them into a situation where they have to like prove their metal, you know, as far as being like manly men and stuff. So I think that's kind of a lot what's going on, which doesn't almost at that point, I kind of didn't need the home invasion part. If once I was into the other thing, I was like, well, let's let's play out. I was I was iffy on it. I feel like this went down in score as I watched it. It got less and less good. So that's not a good sign for a movie. <laughs> so, Eric, what is your final rating on Barbarians? Uh, that's tough. Probably three stars. I think probably okay. two and a half, three star. No, we'll go three stars because it was definitely better than two and a half. Because it, 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 for me, the the home invasion part of then, like all the stuff I remember about this movie is like the last third after the home invasion. Remember a couple parts before that, but a lot of it wasn't terribly memorable. But once you got to that home invasion part and you start getting the twists and turns, I think that's when it starts getting good. And that part was pretty decent. So yeah, three stars. Yeah, I agree with you. I I was I was entertained by this movie. I actually wish, going back to Bruce's point, that this movie was a little bit of everything. And I guess I don't know. You discredit or credit the filmmaker. He was really trying his best to I I think make it a really broad narrative and try to hit a lot of bases. And I think if he just leaned into whether it's the home invasion stuff and make it who knows maybe even cheesier, maybe more violent, maybe more campy, maybe more Brian De Palma esque, or lean into the relationship drama and make it just be even more piercing and incisive and cutting and violent in that way. I think if he leaned into one of those genres better, it, it would have made me enjoy Barbarians more. But I still give this movie three stars as a mild recommend, just like Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky, bringing in the rear. What is your final rate? What is your rating on Barbarians? Uh, I had written down three stars and I had scratched it out and I changed it to two and a half by the end of the movie. So I'm going to stay at two and a half. Okay, cool. That is two and a half stars for Bruce Perky, three stars for both me and Eric Holmes. Eric, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I do want to bring out that. I think I mentioned this before. The first time I tried salt and vinegar chips, I thought they were, I was a kid and I thought they were, they were sour cream and onion. So I grabbed a handful, put it in my mouth and spit it out immediately. I yes, wonder if this I remember would that. go. I wonder if now that I've seen it and I know what this movie is, maybe I like it more on a second viewing. Now that I kind of, you know. Now that I know I'm eating salt and vinegar chips, maybe I can uh, take them one at a time, but yeah. 
Yeah, well, the good thing is both you and I gave it a mild recommend with three stars. But yeah, I, I agree with you on, the, on that on that uh, description. But yeah, it, it's an interesting debut from the filmmaker, and we'll see what he can do next down the line. He's mainly a producer, but we'll see. Actually, we're going to talk about him in a second towards the end of the end of the end of this podcast because his he has an interesting. I have an interesting choice for our our movie pick for us to see for this week for our what is what do we call it the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch, right? Yes. For, for a Dean Koontz wallet watch, this is a credit to director Charles Dorfman for this from Barbarians. Okay. Again, three stars for me and Eric and two and a half from Bruce Perky. Next up is I'm not going to, Bruce, I'm going to let you go now. What, what do you want next? What do you want to cover next? Uh, closing my eyes. I know what you're, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yes. Midnight. Oh, midnight. Ooh, midnight. Yes. Bruce, you were the first per- person to watch Midnight, as you are the first person to watch everything. You want to be the first person to land on the moon every single week when it comes to our screenerlings. God bless you for that. But Midnight, Korean film, it's a thriller, and you're telling me via message that, hey, this is something that you're going to like, Greg, because you love thrillers. And I, I wanted to actually say, no, I- I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to really hate Midnight. But, Bruce, what did you love about this movie Midnight just from the get-go. The story centers on this. I, I he's a serial killer, and this serial killer is played by one of the the characters from Squid Game. If you've seen Squid Game, you'll know who it is right from the get-go. He plays one the cop from Squid Game. He's a ruthless serial killer played by Wee Ha Jun. Wee Ha Jun, and he is terrorizing a deaf woman and her deaf mother, and he's also terrorizing another young woman, and he's possibly <laughs> yeah. terrorizing a cop in South Korea. It is a very, we talked about lean and mean. This is a very, it's a serial killer film, but it's very closed off and claustrophobic in the sense that every, you're, you're, you really want to breathe every single second, but it's really tough to breathe because for most of this movie, you're on the edge of your seat. Very, some very, very good performances. What did you love about this South Korean thriller, Midnight Bruce Berkey? Well, I didn't say that I loved it. So maybe I didn't love it. You don't oh, know. Okay. My bad. Don't yeah. Know. Yeah, so you, what we, I did, you said I would I liked like about it, right? It. Yeah, I said you would okay. like it. Okay, my bad, my bad. <laughs> um, but what I did like about it a lot, I did like the fact that it's kind of like it's one of those this takes place in one night kind of movies. I like that a lot. I like the fact that even though you're not in a singular location, like all of the locations pretty much appear to be in walking and or running distance. There's a lot of running in this movie, by the way. <laughs> this is the most running I've seen in a movie since maybe Mission Impossible, whatever that was. I thought Tom uh, Cruise running too with the hands out <laughs> yeah. straight like that. I guess I would say out of the gate, this is a movie, if you're going to enjoy it, you probably have to turn off your brain a little bit because there's definitely some really dumb things that happen in this movie character-wise that don't make any sense. Uh, things where if a character just said one thing, everything would change. And you're supposed to just kind of go with it because a lot of the tension in the scenes are based on the killer, maybe not getting found out or trying to not get found out in situations where he is near the potential victim and victims. That being said, I think it's generally a pretty good, pretty fun thriller. I think it has, I really actually enjoyed the twist at the end of this movie. I thought that was a lot of fun, even though some of the other things, there's a way in the finale, I see Eric like wondering what I'm talking about. (laughs) There's a way that a particular problem gets solved that you may or may not see coming at the very end of this movie. That's really well done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I really like that. But there's some other twists that are kind of like, oh, okay, it's a little convenient, but whatever. One thing I did kind of not like about this movie, though, it was kind of bloodless and kind of tame. 
for a serial killer movie. I wanted to see at least one time how vicious or how mean he was. So I thought the threat was a little higher. That being said, I still enjoyed it. I think this is this is kind of in your crowd-pleasing thriller. This is like what you hope a Netflix movie would be. <laughs> and a lot of times it isn't. You know what I mean? Like you could put it on on a Friday night with a friend or a girlfriend or a whatever friend and just have a couple beers and enjoy kind of a thrilling ride. That's the way I would look at it. Okay, so that is Midnight. It's in Intellect Theaters. It was in Select Theaters last week. Currently, right now, as of this week, it's available on demand. It hits Blu-ray. May 10th, Eric Holmes, your review of Midnight. Uh, This is really similar to A Quiet Place and Quiet Place 2 in that the script is absolutely stupid, but it somehow manages to get like thrills once in a while. And I don't understand why that I I cannot stress how bad the writing is in this movie. It's it's just and not like dialogue, but like the stuff that the characters do. You can tell that the things are contrived. Only to have moment, only to have these movie moments, and sometimes it works, which is which actually kind of annoys me that it does. But <laughs> right, it, yeah, the, the this would be like this would probably be like a we, we did a they had the bootleg cinema they just did a Avenge, uh, Force the Michael Dudikoff and Steve J- Steve James movie that this would be like one of those type of movies where you kind of just pick all the plot holes and there are many. <laughs> This movie's basically plot hold the movie, and it, it works. And I don't, I, I don't understand why. That said, the longer the movie went on, and the more kind of uh, plot contrivances there were, and uh, characters doing things that just don't make sense, and geography that's all wonky, and the the more it went on, and the more I get to think about it, the more I was getting turned off by the movie. Probably why when Bruce said there was a twist, I'm like, there was a twist. Sure, I guess. But um yeah, by the end of the movie I was kinda I was ready for it to end. Um but at the same time, uh one of the things they do do well is uh the the characters are really good and there's some memorable moments, even though the memorable moments shouldn't be earned. And so I I yeah. That I'm really torn on this movie, uh leaning towards hate it, but some of it worked and I, I can't quite put my finger on it why it does. I love, I absolutely love Midnight. This is a four and a half star film for me. This is a heightened thriller. Heightened thriller is um, where you just throw, you just stop your brain from running. You just enjoy all the crazy things that are going on. There are things that absolutely do not make sense. I also like the fact that this movie wasn't bloodless. We we already have bloody thrillers anyway. Let's Let's have a movie that has maybe a little bit of light, maybe not as gory as one would think. We got single all the way. (laughs) <laughs> right. No, there is there is actually a killing in this movie. I, I'm not going to say wh- when it happens. So, but we don't get to see a lot of the blood, a lot of the gore. It it's, it uh, describes itself as a horror film. There's not too much horror in this movie, even though you do get scared a lot, and it is very tense filled. Everything about this movie pretty much worked for me. I I, I don't want to. And I'm not going to mention the ending, but I, I enjoyed the ending as well. There will be people who will. Now, I will probably agree with Eric Holmes in certain senses regarding the uh, absolute logic or maybe the writing of this thriller, but I was just all aboard Midnight. Four and a half stars for me. Eric Holmes, your rating on Midnight? I'd probably go two stars on this. I really wanted to go like half a star, but like I said, the, the even though the writing was really stupid and really bad, it, it just works sometimes. So I got to give it points for that. So two stars. 
And also the lead in this movie, she's very, very good. I think Jin Ki Ju, I, I got to find her. She's very, very good as a young deaf girl. And her final moment, again, it, there's some really cool moments in this movie. There, And some people will either say yes, or some people will say, what is going on here? But I just really, yeah, Jin Ki Ju, uh, she's very, very good in the lead role. Bruce, your rating on Midnight. Um, I am going to right in between you two. I, I'm going to go three and a half. I didn't. I did find myself entertained, and I want to. I want to give one little thing that I would say it has going for it is that unlike most of these movies where they find all these reasons for the victim to be alone and stuck somewhere alone, there's a bunch of scenes in here where they're not alone, where they're around a whole bunch of other people, and that creates terrible writing, as Eric says. <laughs> but it also creates it a really... It accentuates the terrible writing. <laughs> it does. But I mean, it creates a really weird scenes. And I think those are the scenes that, to me, are the most fun. They're, they're the worst written, but also the most fun, because you're seeing them trying to figure out, like, how are we going to have all these people together in a scene with a whole bunch of other people, and they're not going to know this guy's a killer. So uh, I kind of like those scenes the most. So They also have the most clueless cops that... Oh yeah, can't re- can't read people to save their <laughs> yeah, lives. It's it's like, no. Oh yeah, what what what's going on here? Everything's <laughs> fine. He's cool. You guys seem in distress. I'm going to completely ignore what's behind me. You guys clearly want me as a cop to look behind me because there's clearly something going on behind me. Yeah, but you're just messing around. So what's what gives? You guys have a good night. I'm just going to walk this way and not look <laughs> behind me at all. So that that is midnight. I give it four and a half stars. Again, it's going to be on Blu-ray May 10th. Currently, as we speak on this week during this week it's currently actually right now on demand and it's available to check it out would love to hear what you guys think and then bruce gives it three and a half stars for midnight okay our next film is a movie called cow cow it's directed by andrea arnold it's a movie that bruce porky has long requested for was really excited to talk about i you know i think this might be the first andrea arnold film i've seen i don't think i've seen i think she did a movie called fish tank Years back, but cow is exactly what it is. It centers on the life of a cow in a farm. You see, you pretty much uh, follow the cow's life as she gives birth, as she goes and grazes out in the field maybe once a week or maybe once a day. I don't even know what the time is, but that's it. That's the that's the premise of this movie. And it, does it have a point? Well, I guess if, if you enjoyed something like Gunda and you just want to actually observe animals and see actually how the life of this cow could be an interesting enough watch for you. Again, it's in select theaters and on demand April 8th, directed by Andrea Arnold. Oh yeah, my I stand corrected. I saw Arnold's film American Honey. Really love that as well. Eric, your thoughts on cow? I hated this movie. Um it was it was a cow. It it, it was it, pretty much Gunda exists. And Gunda's a beautiful looking movie. Um, it follows around a pig, then it follows around a couple cows. So if you want to follow around a cow, it's also in Gunda. It follows around a, a one-legged uh, chicken rooster. And this one does the same, but it does it like uh, it feels like someone just got their cell phone and just followed a cow around and cut some footage together. Uh, there was a bit where the cow was given birth, and that was kind of gross. So I like that bit. And that was pretty much it. Well, I guess the 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 when they put the farmers put their hands in there and you know looking uh i guess that was there there wasn't really anything here for me the the entire time it was on i was like can this please end and then 17 hours later it finally did and i was i was grateful for that i i know that uh because i i 
looked online at the reviews and much to my surprise, much like loony porn, it got, it's been getting great reviews and good for them. And I'm, I'm happy for them. This did not work for me at all though. And I never want to watch this movie again. This movie is running at 94 minutes. It's an observational film of a cow. Okay. So it's going to get a whole different slew of reactions. For some reason, I actually, for 94 minutes, I wasn't bored one second. I don't know why. I was expecting to have the same reaction as Eric Holmes, but I actually found it quite engaging and moving and quite really interesting. I thought it was very interesting watching this movie. Maybe I'm in the minority here. Bruce, your thoughts on Cal? Um, I'm, I'm with you. I actually did like this movie. Now, it's definitely different in Gunda. Uh, so I thought about this a lot and like, why would you like this or why would you watch this versus Gunda? And I think the difference is Gunda is like the almost artistic, beautiful, you know, cinematography. And it's kind of, it's kind of giving you the, like, here is the life that could happen. And then showing you like how that or sadness kind of around that, but the actual life they have is pretty pretty idyllic that you're shown this is kind of like the prison movie version of that because what do you say like 90 80 percent of this is like in muddy shitty you know pens and stuff and from what i read this is considered one of the better dairy farms it's like pretty pretty humane like they don't hurt the animals especially one thing that really caught me and i don't know about you um greg but there's these scenes where they're getting um milked and there's this kind of big round they're on a big round thing. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. A big round pen. So they're all facing each other. And there's these shots of it. And, and the whole time they're playing in the background, like pop music, not over the soundtrack. They're playing it right. in this barn. And I thought that was really creepy and weird. And then about, you know, like he said, about halfway through the movie, they get out into the grass and you have these shots of just the cow looking at the sky and stuff. And it was like, I mean, for me, it really worked. I don't know. I don't know why. And I... I totally understand that probably 90% of the people are going to be in Eric's camps. So I would say tread very, take your hooves very, very <laughs> gently into this world because you're probably going to be bored stiff. But if you do fall into it, I think that there's enough to have here. Um, so it worked for me. I, I really liked it quite a bit. Yeah, there's a lot to have here. I, I just think it's one of these things you just have to be on that certain vibe for cow. And then, but this, I think Eric Holmes' review is perfect because... There is a big warning. If you don't want to see a movie, if you don't want to watch 94 Minutes of a Cow, don't. Don't. And Eric Holmes had to do it because that's his job on a weekly basis as a podcaster and reviewer. But Eric Holmes is saying, Eric, if you don't want to watch a movie about a cow, don't watch it, right? Yeah. But you guys will, you guys will be excited to hear this because uh, I got a movie coming out next week called Dog, where I uh, take a high eight camera that I got from the thrift store and I just follow my dogs around for three days and then cut it into a two hour movie. I mean, you guys I cannot wait. It's called Dog. Mostly it's just dogs. them sleeping and licking their balls, but it's going to be pretty poignant, I think. That is a good, that is a good rebut on that. I mean, I'm not against watching that. I have to be honest. (laughs) And he makes a good point. Look, it's one of these things. It's where it's, it's a movie that you really can't argue over because it's, it's a movie that's either you're, it's one of these things. Actually, I disagree. I think it is a movie you can argue because Mm. this is exactly that type of movie where it, you know, some people, this, uh, this movie, you know, people will be like you two. It's like, Oh, this movie is brilliant or for the reasons you guys stated, 
And other people are going to watch and go, this movie's fucking dog shit. Just, and I'll be like high fiving them, but you, you know, we get them two together. It's like, why is it good? Why is it bad? That's, that's where the argument takes over debate. That's where the debate takes. It's one of those things where I don't even know which side wins on that. I think it's just one of these things where it's like, if you, it, in their right. if you love it, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the, it's one of these weird things, but at least, at least we had a really good discussion. I mean, Bruce, you're not going to try to convince someone to watch Cal, right? It's just something that just really took hold of you. <laughs> no, I'm not going to convince him to watch Cal. <laughs> yeah, or, I don't. Or think... Looney Porn. You know what I would do? I'm going to get him the first 45 minutes. Wait, wait, wait! wait. Don't mention Porn. Looney Porn in the same mansion as Cal. And <laughs> I'll give him the rest of this, and I'll put him together, and he'll just be dead by the end. He'll do like <laughs> euthanasia. <laughs> okay, but look, listeners, viewers, here's the thing: I really love Cal. Listen to Eric's review as well. So please, and and Bruce loved it as well. It's two to one on this one, but I would suggest you really take in all of our reviews and see whether you want to see it or not, Bruce. <laughs> I would suggest, yeah, it's two for one, but in the actual real world, it's probably 90% Eric and 10% us. What do you think? Unless, unless you get to the critic side. Like the, the Rotten yeah. Tomatoes got two different scores. You got the the critics and the audience. I, well, think, I think this is one of those where like the critic score is 98 and the audience score is eight. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right on that. Well, for me, Cal gets a rating of four stars, four solid stars for me. Eric Holmes, your, your rating on Cal? It was in focus. Half star. <laughs> half star. Half. Hey, Eric Holmes, are you are you being are you being actually kind with the half star? Uh, it was in focus. It was is in that, focus. Is that the lowest score he's ever given? I think so. Uh, I think what, I think so. What, yeah. No, did, yeah. I don't think we had star ratings when we did Looney Porn. That probably would have been. Around the same, I think. You gave uh, listeners of uh, Eric Holmes gave bad luck banging, bad luck banger Looney Porn. I think four and a half stars. Was that correct, Eric Holmes? Bad luck banger. Yeah, no, that, that was a banger. Straight up five stars. Straight <laughs> up five stars. Okay. Well, Eric Holmes is saying if he could have given it the lowest rating on possible, he would have given it to bad luck banging or Looney Porn. That's another movie. That's one of these things where I guess that movie you can definitely argue over whether it's a brilliant film or it absolutely is dog ish. So we'll see. Both Bruce and Eric did not like Bad Luck Bang or Looney Porn. But Bruce did enjoy, uh, quote unquote, did enjoy or appreciate Cow. Your rating on Cow, Bruce? Uh, four stars. Four stars. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce and I actually agree on Cow. My goodness. Four stars for me, four stars for Bruce Perky, and half a star with bad luck banging or loony porn consideration from Eric Holmes, half star for Cow. So you know, when, when when this movie gets nominated for uh, best documentary at the end of the year, you guys will uh, no, come back no. and say, "Go f yourself, Eric. We were right. <laughs> you were wrong." <laughs> so we'll we'll have we'll have one of the characters from Midnight give you a little nice meme <laughs> at the end. We'll the day the the. The year that this one's best documentary, Midnight's also going to be nominated for best screenplay. I'm sure. <laughs> My gosh, Bruce did did Eric did Eric Holmes come out here with an anvil for the reviews or what? What's going on here? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, last year, Don't Look Up had a best nominee, so best picture <laughs> yeah, nominee. That was yeah, we'll brilliant do. screenplay. <laughs> very very good. It's so good that Eric Holmes. I is like close. this. I like this angry cutting. Yes, uh, yes, that we've got yes. here. Very, very good on that. Okay, so that is it. Right now, we have a couple more reviews. Let's look. Let's just go with Metal Lords. Play something heavy, man. Okay. Like, um, Rock of Ages? Heavy. Play. Something heavy. Play. Something heavy. 
We need a bass player. Mm. A bass player will be huge for us. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Plotline, couple of kids, they're dorks, like like I was in high school, but they're both they're they're both lovers of metal. And they're both sort of a two person band. Their their goal is to actually with their band, I think do you remember the name of the band, Eric Holmes, because I don't like to swear? What's the name of the band? Ooh, I can't actually remember. Skullflowers. Yeah, that's Skull, right. okay. Skullfucker. <laughs> but then, oh yeah, that's a spoiler, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Bruce. That's right, because I was going to have my name be this, <laughs> this week was Skullflower. And then I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. go on. Yeah, Skullfucker. But they had Skull, they're, they're, anyway. called, they're, skull, they're called Skull Effer. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. That that's not a, that's not too much of a bad spoiler. But yeah, that's the that's the premise of the movie. And there's a, there's a girl who enters a mix, sort of uh, just is throws. She's sort of the uh, they, they even mention this in the movie that she sort of she becomes sort of the Yoko Ono of the band that kind of tears apart these two two friends. And we see where that happens. But that is the premise of of this movie. And there's a lot of metal. There's a lot of drumming. And there's a lot of music. And for for quite a while, I was really not liking where this movie was going. I just thought it was just very lackluster and unmemorable. I don't know. I found myself actually liking this movie, even though it was lightweight. I thought it ended up being quite a likable watch for me. I, yeah, I surprisingly liked this movie. Eric Holmes, did you like Metal Lords as well, or yeah, what, yeah? Okay. What was that? Uh, what was that? Uh, Swedish death metal movie we watched. About a year ago, yes, I came out with something. Them. Heavy trip, yeah, there Heavy you trip. go. Uh, the, this kind of felt like that, um, maybe a little bit like a Stone Age, like those type of movies. You know, kids doing. You know, it's a coming of age movie. This coming of age happens to be kids in high school uh, about to do a battle of the bands. Um, they play a lot of they play a lot of metal music, which is fun. Um, I was listening to a little bit of uh, Wild Child by Wasp before we started recording. Uh, picturing Greg in my head with a mullet and a air guitar. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I used they, to have they, a mullet. I should dig it up one of these days. I'll show you what I look like back in high school. I, I want to see I, you with the mullet and a wasp, the, like the, yeah, uh, the jean jacket with the sleeves cut off. <laughs> but uh, nice. yeah, the, this movie was cute. It was, uh, it, you know, the the characters were one of the characters in particular was pretty unlikable, but that's kind of that's kind of the arc they were going with this character. And I appreciated that. Uh, you know, the, there's a bit of a love story here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, a coming of age movies go. Um, it, it's weird to call a movie called metal Lords about metal music cute, but that's kind of what this was. Uh, I thought it was mostly harmless, but fun. I had fun watching it. I, I will have to say the third act goes in a, a real interesting place that I didn't think it would go. And I'm giving it credit for that. And this movie, which was saying that as what movie, as Barbarians went on, you liked it less and less. As this movie went on, I ended up liking it more and more. And it just ramped up to a pretty good, pretty solid third act. So, Bruce, your thoughts on this film? I'm pretty much right with you guys on this one. Um, It doesn't go too far out on a limb. It doesn't do anything too crazy. So this is going towards more, like you said, cute or crowd-pleasing territory. But I give it credit for certain things like, you know... They have an extended War Pigs montage. They didn't have to have that, but they did. Uh, they throw in some actual metal. Is it hard-edged? Is it cutting-edge? Well, no. This is like metal from my era, <laughs> so it's pretty old metal. Pretty standard for most people. But that's still 
fine. It was it was not bad. It kind of reminded me a little bit. There's that movie recently on Netflix also called Moxie, which was all kind of the Riot Girl version of this. And both are are fun watches. And this is like entry level. Like you know, if you have a I don't know, 14 year old kid and they want to watch a kind of a pretty harmless movie, but it also has a little bit to say, which is not bad. And I wanted to mention too, the guy that plays the, I think you're talking about Hunter, the, the kind of yeah. assholey friend, uh, the guy that plays him, Adrian Greensmith, I believe he, um, he really gave me like really young Adam driver vibes almost. And I kind of liked that. I kind of, I kind of liked, I kind of liked how he was so unlikable for a lot of the movie. And I actually kind of wish the movie had been his movie a little more where it's his friend's movie a little more. I think if it would have been his movie, it might've been a little more special, but yeah. it was still good. I, he's I had the best part of the movie. He's the best. He gives the best performance. He's the one who's, he's the live wire. He just feels really, he's really, he's really good. So, but anyways, yeah, he, I thought he was the best part of this movie and I would give this movie just, I would actually recommend it. I give this movie three and a half stars. Bruce, what do you give it? I give it three and a half stars. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Eric, you. How about you? Same same three and a half. This is like this like perfect uh you know, the the, the this movie's like a perfect three and a half star movie. You know, it, it, it's not the it's not the best of its genre, but it's certainly enjoyable and I think people have fun with it. Yeah, it's a fun watch. I I was surprised. I was re- really read I was ready to actually completely I just sack <laughs> I know you were. Yeah, you I was were ready just... to attack this movie, just like Eric. How Eric did what Eric did to Cow. I was ready to do to this movie, and I ended up liking it. So, credit to them for that. Again, this is Metal Lords, three and a half stars from all of us. Our last featured review is a documentary called Alaska Nets, small town in Alaska, where all they all they talk about, all they think about, is fishing and basketball, fishing and basketball. And you're thinking, hmm, it's a documentary about fishing and basketball. Centers on the local high school team and their chance to hopefully win the state championship their their journey by the way their journey to win the state to attempt to win the state championship was in the year 2018 took about three four years to actually get this out so that's very interesting i was thinking this was going to be one of these i look at the the poster there's a there's a really cool basketball with someone, some nondescript student holding it and has a really probably nice really insignia and it says alaskan nets one town one dream I thought it'd be just this really innocuous documentary about people who love fishing and, and basketball. I was completely thrown off by everything in this movie. In a, I mean, everything in this documentary in a good way. Just very, very interesting all around. Bruce Berkey, your thoughts on Alaskan Nets? Very similar to you once again. Uh, I, I thought it would be just like, I mean, you've had built-in drama, right? Will they make it? Will they win the championship they haven't won it this town hasn't won it since the 80s everybody wants them to win it it's a very small town and you're like okay that's i've seen this before but it has built-in drama it has built-in you know stakes and everything but then it did a lot more than i thought it was going to do and it really showed you what it's like to be in this uh, nameless what i mean there's a million towns like this right towns that are on the verge of poverty because you know fishing or logging pick your industry is not really doing it anymore and what i found really compelling was how every generation it really shows you how every generation has been in this basketball team 
and tried to make it. And sometimes they don't make it and they kill themselves or they die in a fishing accident. I mean, there's a lot of shots of the cemetery in this town. And I was like, not expecting that. The stakes are super high in this movie. You get to really know these different, few of these different kids. Uh, one of the kids especially is really like, he's hot headed and he's kind of an asshole, but he's also like one of the best players and you're kind of rooting for him and you're, you just are waiting for to see if he goes off the rails and doesn't even make it. It's, it's, actually quite compelling. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it means well. You get to really be invested in these characters and these these people, and you, you want them to do well. But you realize this town, it's fishing and basketball and diving. Diving, which is very, very... Yep. It's a very dangerous thing, diving, especially in, when they're allowed to dive because they have to make money. The, a lot. More, um, we're assuming most of these families are... They're blue-collar families. They're, they're actually just trying to make a living. They're living hand-to-mouth. And... It, you know, credit to this, the filmmaker, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, Jeff Hera Sim- Simowitz, for actually not sugarcoating the subject matter be- behind Alaskan Nets. He could have just made it a simple basketball movie, made made these uh, made these residents look really cute and like, oh, we love our basketball because that's how the movie starts. That's how the documentary starts. He could have just gone one note. He didn't. He wanted to show pretty much a, a full look at this town. And yeah, credit goes. I was pretty much hooked in throughout the final minutes. Eric, your thoughts on Alaskan Nets? A boring story, actually. I couldn't get this link to work on my uh, on really? anything but my phone, so I did not see it. I saw like uh, I saw about a couple minutes on the phone. I'm like, I cannot watch this movie on my phone, so I had, oh, to, wow. I had to bail on that. It was something uh, when I. Long story short, yeah, link didn't work for me on mm. the uh, thing other than my phone, so I oh, didn't see Alaskan Nets. I object to that, Eric, because I object yes. that you actually. How dare you even talk about Alaska Nets because you're talking about phones. Phones are the only way I watch movies, Eric. So I don't even (laughs) – how dare you? That's sacrilege. I I think that could work. Like uh, I've seen movies on the phone before, like on taking the bus to and from work. But those are movies I've seen before. And for some reason, like watching it for the first time on the phone, just – I'll do it if I have to. But it's, it's really annoying to do it that way. Fair. Yeah. This movie is also executive produced by Chris Pratt. Bravo to Chris Pratt for actually lending his name and being part of this whole documentary. It's just, Bruce, I'm wondering why this documentary isn't more well known. It comes out in a couple of days. Should it be more well known? Are you and I out on a limb on this? And this, should it be made into a movie? I don't know. This is interesting. I, was- I could see this being a movie, actually. I was thinking about that. This could easily be a dramatic movie. It would probably get overly saccharinized. You know, I could imagine that too, unfortunately. But. This is a really quality documentary. Um, like I said, it has built-in stakes, has really interesting characters, has a really interest, interesting story. This has got a lot more than a lot of documentaries. For example, Eric's <laughs> hated cow. I guarantee he'd like this better than cow. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, what wouldn't I like better than cow? <laughs> Alaska Net, and I was surprised. I don't know about you, Bruce. Towards the end of the movie, we're not going to give away what's going on. Obviously, you can Google the, the, what happened to this team, but... I was on the edge of my seat. I was nervous. Were you nervous or were you saying, well, whatever, I, I know it's going to, were you a little bit nervous? I was nervous for them because by the time you get to the end of this, you really know the stakes. And I think that's the thing you don't get in some of these movies. Just winning is the stakes in most of these movies, but this, it's like life or death for these people. It really matters, you know? I can't believe how much I loved Alaskan Nets. That's why. This movie, for me, I, I know Bruce, you might be surprised. I'm giving this movie five stars. This is just right through and through, just a perfect documentary in the fact that and how it portrays the people, how it 
I'm a, I'm a huge basketball fan as well. So biasly, I love seeing, <laughs> I love, I don't know if you are Bruce, but I love seeing the basketball as well. And yeah, there's a ton of fishing and there's, it's beautiful out there. Look, the, the town itself obviously is struggling, but seeing the waters, seeing that environment really took, takes you to another place as well. Hits all the marks for me. Five stars, Alaska Nets. For me, you're rating Bruce Perky on Alaska Nets. Uh, I'm four stars, but it's, it's a solid movie. Really good. Okay. Four stars from Bruce Perky, five stars from me and Eric Holmes. I'm, I'm going to reserve my judgment on Eric Holmes because he said bad things about phones. Listeners, phones, the smallest phone in the world is a new cinema. This is, this is our movie theater. I love my little two inch. I was going to, yeah, I was going to say something else. I only I watch movies like Dune. What, what, Dune and Tenet. Only Dune and Tenet on my phone. Only, <laughs> only Dune. You son of a- yeah. <laughs> Let's just say, folks. I, wait, wait, does this does this come out this weekend? Yes, it comes out. Uh, it comes actually actually out on on demand this weekend. So uh, yeah, that is Alaska Nets digital. If I can get VOD. it this weekend, I'll I'll rewind it next week. Okay, cool. Digital and VOD this weekend. Alaska Nets, wonderful documentary. Eric Holmes, you, I I guarantee you will love this movie. Cow jokes aside, you will really really love Alaska Nets, the documentary. Wonderful stuff. We're now on our recommendation section, which will be. Anchored by Eric Holmes, Eric Holmes, and a little bit of Bruce Perky. Will you stop the Maddie Doe love? Can we stop now, please? Or not? Do you disagree? I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> recommendations. You're going to do, you oh. know what we're doing? Recommendations on Maddie Doe. The, the uh, Maddie Doe movies you, you've been watching and all that stuff. Dear yeah, sister, she, or you, you do you want to wait? Do you want to wait? Do you want to wait until next week when we when we when I probably see Chantelay or Dear Sister? What? Oh no 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 no! My name is Cax Passage, and you're listening to sixty nine point nine The Load. This is Rock Station with the I, I, I don't know something that rhymed. I, I was trying to do a thing and it didn't work out. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's but okay. Either it's way, okay. Um, it was working while, while I was. Well, you know, we had Metal Lords. You had to do like the the radio rock guy. Hey, you blah blah blah, blah on seventy two point nine. Whatever. Anyway, um, so we got the we got the Maddie uh, the long sip coming out. The long talk, whatever you want to call it. Just thought it'd be a good idea to uh, fully immerse ourselves into the world of Matty Doe. Uh, so uh, I believe Bruce, I'm not sure which ones you saw, but saw Chantelay and and uh, Dear Sister. And I even checked out, I even checked out uh, the Creep Show episode. I cannot remember the name of the, it, it's season three, episode six. I cannot remember the name of the one, but there's like two of them. It's the first one. It was, Written by Christopher Larson and Maddie Doe. Uh, and that one was directed by um, uh, uh, Greg Nicotero, I believe. Um, but we'll, we'll bring that up because I, I got something else to say when we talk about the uh, what's in the box because there's a little tie in there. But uh, Chantelay and um, Dear Sister, I don't think that I can. I don't think I can give Maddie Doe uh, film stars anymore. I'm just going to have to give Maddie Doe and Christopher Larson five stars as a team. And then their movie is just like uh, five stars, like just it kind of like a Quentin Tarantino. All of his movies are fantastic. It's just a matter of which one you like more in any given day. Uh, Chantelay is uh, opens up with a, uh, a, a father and his daughter. They walk in on the mom who had uh, cut her wrist and hung herself. 
And then right away, the dad's like, turn around. Don't cover your eyes. Don't look. And the dad's trying to get her, you know, get her down. because the, the mom's still alive kind of and gets her down. And then, um, so right away it does. And then it fast forwards like 20 years later. So they do that thing that I hate when they do this in movies, <laughs> but here's where Maddie Doe and Christopher Larson shine. They're like, Oh, we fast forward 20 years. Guess what? The next scene's going to have something that has the fuck to do with what you just saw. <laughs> We're not going to do a half hour of boring until we finally get to the point of the story. So they fast forward 20 uh you know 20 what 20 years 50 had however long it is they fast forward and uh chantelay chan she's uh you know older now and she's talks about uh what happened to mom so right away oh she doesn't remember she doesn't remember this and then so throughout the movie she gets uh visions of her mom uh so she thinks um and then it got then it has kind of uh i'm i'm wondering if uh paul thomas anderson kind of took a page from this because remember in the phantom thread a lot of that was uh, he was being poisoned by the mushrooms. And when he's poisoned, he sees his dead mom. This is kind of the opposite of that. She sees her dead mom and then they give her drugs and then she can't see her anymore. And so she doesn't know if she's crazy or if she's actually seen her mom. And then it much like the long walk, it goes in wonderfully interesting uh, places. And this one's um, uh, this one's uh, Maddie Doe's first directorial effort i believe so it's it's definitely rough around the edges but the story's good and the way it's shot is fantastic and you know it, it, like it, it it feels like a first film but it's a really fucking good first film. <laughs> and uh yeah is it scary was, is it is it scary no is it, no yeah. it's 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 a lot like uh it's a lot like uh a long walk it's got a similar kind of uh tone to it uh, really beautiful, uh, really um, threatening sometimes. It, it kind of runs a gamut. Um, I'm starting to kind of, I'm starting to kind of uh, see what uh, Matty Doe uh, can do as a director, especially after watching that Creep Show episode that Greg Nicotero directed. I'm watching that and going, this is pretty good. What would it look like if Matty Doe directed that? I mean, they have her number. She was there. Like, they could have got her to do it or you know maybe there's something else going on. i i don't know but yeah she she definitely has a style and i'm loving christopher larson's uh stories i'm loving his writing and just them as a team really fucking works for me a whole fucking lot and now that i've watched all of maddie doe's movies i get, get through all the the ones that christopher larson has written and then kind of see kind of compare those to uh the maddie doe directed ones uh but i'll, I'll let bruce get into uh dearest sister because i also saw that one are but, both of these movies streaming on Shutter, or did you rent it? Uh, Chantelay is streaming everywhere because it's in public domain, as far as I know. Um, we do talk a little bit about that on the on the uh, the three hour thing. Dear sister, I bought that on YouTube. I think that is streaming on Shutter. Okay, <laughs> but, yeah, but just buy, it. buy it on YouTube if you. I, I don't know if it's on physical. <laughs> I don't know if it's on physical media. Uh, if it is, I will be picking that up. Uh, Chantelay as well. Um, Maddie okay. Doe and Christopher Larson are awesome, and I want to yeah. own everything they have in hard copies so the internet cannot take them away from me. Support Maddie Doe, filmmaker, and her husband, Christopher Larson, wonderful, talented screenwriter. They're, they're a talented couple. I also I forgot to tell you guys, I actually ordered my copy of The Long Walk via Vinegar Syndrome nice. last week. I should be getting it within the next couple of days. Really excited to actually open it up. Again, this is why... Both Eric Holmes and Bruce and William Lindis decided to actually do the nice 
the three-hour hang with Matty Doe because it, one of the special features is the long sip, which is actually ingredients to, I guess, I don't even know what the name of the drink is. Eric, what, does, did she, is it called the long walk drink maybe? That's it's in, called the, the long sip. The, it's literally called the long sip. Okay, yeah. so maybe that is in reference to Bruce. That, that is the answer to my question. The long sip with Matty Doe part one. That's where, it, where it's going to be. So that's, I don't even know if we should even show the ingredients. That's part of the, that's, that's going to be part of the things that, that you need to, you, you need to actually get the Blu-ray. Or, or, or I, I don't even know if it's on DVD, but maybe get the Blu-ray on Vinegar Syndrome and then make your Matty Doe the long sip drink. They talk about it during their three-hour conversation. Bruce Perky, you saw Dearest Sister, probably on Shudder, your mm-hmm. view of Dearest Sister. Yeah, so Dearest Sister. So I haven't seen Chantelay, but from, now, from hearing Eric talk about it and actually seeing the other two movies, something that they're doing that's really interesting, and I think I mentioned this last week, um, the way that spirits and visions of spirits are used is not as like a spooky device. Like we talked about it before. It, it is spooky somewhat, but it's mostly, it's like, it's like part of the world. Like in all of these movies, that's part of the world. And it, it plays integral parts in the stories. This story is about a young woman comes from a small village and comes to the bigger city to care, kind of be a helper and care for her cousin who lives in a relatively rich house in the city uh, and her cousin is losing her eyesight slowly. Uh, and as she's losing her high, eyesight, she's starting to have visions of, and you're not sure, are they spirits? Are they uh, visions of a future that might happen? Are they kind of like harbingers of something? Is she becoming psychic? But she's having these visions and that is part of the story. A big part of the story too, though, is, and Eric can test to this as well, it's a really interesting take on class and you know what it means to be you know there's like you know her cousin has you know the stereotypical white husband who kind of wants to tell her what needs to be done and kind of doesn't treat her equally and then there they actually have um a kind of a servant group of people in their household that have to stay outside and then her cousin kind of is in between the two worlds and that's the big part of the story is how her cousin is interacting with these worlds and how and and the other thing that's interesting and once again Eric's take will be interesting on this as well it's really interesting who's the villain in this movie it's not clear cut but there is a kind of a villainous take that occurs that i thought was really intriguing and there is a finale to this movie that i thought was stunning the final moments of this movie are really really quite amazing and a small role is played in this movie by the guy who played the main dude in the long walk oh that is very cool are they good companion pieces of watching back to back kind of thing these two go really well together i have i can't speak for chantelay but the long walk and dearest sister you can tell that this is just a filmmaker working out some similar ideas but in different stories totally different stories but the feel the feel and the mood is definitely hers Yes. Eric Holmes, when is Manny Doe going to come to the States to make her Disney movies and make millions and millions of dollars? When is that going to happen? I, Eric hope, I hope it happens soon so she can get you know, one Star War, get $100 million, and then just make her and Chris Larson, Christopher Larson, just make movies for the rest of their lives because everything they everything they I've seen from them so far has just been magic. And yeah, like I said, I'm not even going to star Chantelay or Dear Sister. I'm just going to star Matty Doe and Christopher Larson, they get five stars. And it's just a matter of, I, I, I would say, um, as far as my personal favorites go, probably Chantelay's number one, Long Walk number two, Dear Sister number three, 
and then the creep show probably number four just because had had maddie doe directed that that probably would have been as high as the first three but they're they're all fantastic High marks for Chantelet, but like like you said, they they all live in the same plane. Eric Holmes, you've seen everything that Maddie Doe has done along with her husband Christopher Larson. When someone asks you, Eric Holmes, what am I going to get from a Maddie Doe film? What would be your answer to them? Uh, it's it's mostly about it's mostly about tone management and characters, and yeah, it's it, it it's hard to say, but that it's just that it has a certain feel to it that. Uh, you know, you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, it feels like a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's got that, it's got his stank on it, so to speak. Uh, you watch a, uh, I don't know, a Guy Ritchie. I'm still using Quentin Tarantino and Guy Ritchie. Her movies are nothing like this. Uh, but like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie has a, a certain flavor to it. I'm going to make a weird comparison. It's not in the style of per se, but so when uh, Guillermo del Toro is working at his best, like Pan's Labyrinth or something, I, I feel like not style and look, but the way that they both just have these like fantasy and reality are just in a in a world of their own. They're all together. I think hers kind of does that with the supernatural world. You know what I mean? I think you're on this, this interesting track with Guillermo del Toro, even though there's some movies that I'm very mixed with regarding his movies. There's a both She's of them have more a, consistent than he is, though. From my <laughs> right, right, but both of them really take a very. It seems that they both take a very personal track. In their stories that so you can feel yeah. their personal stamp in them there's maybe parts of their own lives that are featured within these stories and i think that's why i think there's an, a level of intimacy to her work eric you're going to say and well there's also like a in the creep show episode there's a couple um there's a couple scenes where i could have seen if this was maddie doe directing it this would have been a really emotional scene this is a scene where the the mom and daughter are really supposed to connect, and it kind of got there because the writing's still there. Uh, but I, I don't think uh, Greg Nicotero's great special effects person. He's a good TV director. Uh, I wouldn't call him great, but he's he's pretty uh, you know pretty talented in his own right. But um, I don't know. There's just, there's just something magical about what Maddie Doe does. Where like I'm watching the Creep Show episode and go, oh man, she got a hold of this. She would have just ripped my heart out. I I know for a fact that would have happened. Um, it's. I think it's her her eye. We talk about it in the talk. Yeah. It's her eye and her her attention to movement. Like she, she thinks um, character. It's always character first. But her character is through the dialogue, but also through the the um, the placement of the camera and the movement of the characters. And she's very intentional about that. Perfect example is dear sister. Um, when the uh, the cousin's going blind, and then all of a sudden you start getting really close up you start getting really close up on her and to where you're watching as a viewer and it's hard to make out the geography. It's hard to tell what's going on because, you know, for her, and you know, they have the point of view where it's hard to see, but even when we're, we're back watching in the third person, we're still watching everything up close. So we can't see where she's going and it almost disorients the audience as much as it does the character. And in a very subtle way, I almost like a, like you feel like you're about to trip throughout the house because you know someone moved the chair in a, in a different spot. Well, and even in the way she treats the spirits too. So, and we, yeah. we can go on, but but for for example, like in the long walk, we have the spirit that's there kind of all the time, right? And that spirit is just literally in the background, standing in the background, and you can see the whole spirit, and it's in the background, and the the main guys in the foreground. Whereas in in Dearest Sister, you have this intentionally close up 
personal point of view. So when a spirit comes in, a lot of times in Dearest Sister, you'll see just the hand or the leg or the arm of the spirit creeping into the frame. You won't see the whole spirit very much. And I think that is, once again, it's just that point of view and that intentional tone management. And I also want to add that William Lindis is a personal friend of Maddie Doe when, you know, with the long sip, when people start watching the videos and Eric and Bruce, I want you to speak to this. Even though it was cool for you to hang out with her for three hours and drink with her, you love her movies. Even there's no bias there. That's why I I wanted to do a Star Wars so I can finally talk shit on one of her movies. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I won't feel like a homer. (laughs) Right. But you know what? She ain't that shit. She ain't shit. (laughs) Fucking Star Wars 12 sucked. (laughs) But right. Good point, Eric. No, but I, 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 I mean, like, we. I love the walk, long walk before before we got to talk to her, and you know, the, just meeting her and talk to her just made it better. But I'm like, just I, I'm really digging their style, and I can't wait to see more. I hope yeah. to see a lot more. Yeah, Bruce, Maddie Doe could be a complete. Maddie Doe's the coolest person. She could be a complete a hole, but her her films are still brilliant. Is that is that correct? Am I am I correct on this? I I don't think so because her. Part of the reason her movies are brilliant is because she's not an a-hole. <laughs> I think she's not an a-hole. In other words, I think that her, she is part of her movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Like part of what is coming out in her movie is her. It's her point of view. And if she were an a-hole, it would be a different movie. Okay. So that is, look, you look on our Cinematics YouTube channel, you can check out Bruce and Eric's and William Lindsay's um, just three-hour conversation with Mandy Doe. Check out, most importantly, what are the movies that they should check out, Eric Holmes from Maddie Doe? What are the movies? Uh, uh, Chantelay and Dear Sister and The Long Walk and uh, Season 3, Episode 6 of Creep Show. Okay. And I anything- believe most of those are on Shutter. Well, I, I don't know. Where, uh, so Dear Sister is on Shutter. Creep Show is on Shutter. Chantelay is everywhere. I don't know where Long Walk is right now. Uh, long walk. Buy it on vinegar long syndrome. walk, yeah, it's going to be in your hands when you buy it. That's where it's going to yeah. be. Yes, vin- yeah, exactly. Bruce Perky, Vinegar Syndrome. Definitely. We'd love to hear what our Cinematics Facebook group members think of The Long Walk. Has anyone else other than us three and William Linus, have, has anyone else seen The Long Walk and listened to our Sermon on the Mount? I don't think so, guys. Anyone else listen to us? Oh. No. <laughs> and you know what makes me mad? Our our buddy, our brother in, brother in arms, Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class, still has not seen The Long Walk. Still has not seen any of those other Manny Doe films or Creep Show episode what and episode three, episode season three, episode six, whatever that is. Eric Holmes, you know why? You know why Peter Beta? Peter Beta is too busy. He's too busy not uh, watching these Manny Doe movies. What is Peter Beta doing every single week, Eric Holmes, to keep him away from The Long Walk? Yo, Pete, drop that beat and watch The Long Walk. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, guys, we are back. I can't wait to watch more Maddie Doe movies. Thank you, Eric Holmes and Bruce, for your recommendations for Doe's work. One movie I'm not going to see. I love you, Joseph Bridges, a member of our Cinematics Facebook group. There is a movie called Mystics in Bali. I'm going to say, I'm going to just torpedo this entire Bruce What's in the Box segment by saying, quote, here's a plot line, quote, a woman researches a book that takes her to the black magic cult of Leek in Bali. She meets an evil witch who promises to train her in the dark arts. 
but she is tricked and turned into a flying vampire with inter- with internal organs hanging from her neck. What is this movie? Why? Why Joseph Bridges, the, who might even be a bigger cinephile than all three of us combined? He is the Thanos of cinephiles. I'm going to say this right now. But out of all the movies, he chooses a film called Mystics in Bali. Is there any kind of rhyme to Joseph Bridges' reason, Bruce Berkey? <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Well, first of all, remember last week when we talked about that movie that you guys loved and I didn't love so much called, what was it? You when, you Don't when, Know Me or something? What was oh, it? Won't the be Witch? Alone. You, won't you Won't Be, be alone. alone, yes. Yeah. You mean well, one this, of the best movies this, for the last 50 years, Bruce Parkey? This is the Yoda Witch that I was waiting for. <laughs> this... <laughs> This this movie has more cackling witch laughter than any movie in the history of the world. This is just a, a, a bonkers movie. I think I was trying to think about this movie. How who do you recommend this movie to? If you like crazy us. Yeah, us. Uh crazy weird movies, then this is something to check te- check out. The dubbing is hilarious in this movie. The exposition, I mean, it is such straightforward exposition it's like the man and the woman in this will be like uh, oh mahendra and catherine it'd be like mahendra where are we going well catherine we are going to the place where we are going to meet the witch that will teach you about leek leek what is leek well that is the black magic that can turn in many forms even the forms of other animals and it, it's that is almost the whole movie except for the incredibly awesome special effects from 1981, I think it was. Haosu. If you like Haosu, you will probably dig this movie. Because I think they have a similarly odd, insane ethos to them. I, I mean, how do you describe this, Eric? Uh, yeah, the flying head is pretty amazing. I think the, the body waiting for the head to return was my favorite part of the movie, though. I loved that so much. <laughs> what's that what's that uh what's that other uh gem that joseph bridges it was like the turbo kids or the, yes. What, what, <laughs> yes what was that what was that called i think that was it turbo kids maybe it was the it was the filipino version of power rangers i know that yeah. this is kind of on that uh, obviously this is a horror of uh, folk horror but it's kind of on that level as far as like uh effects and acting and stuff goes I was actually kind of surprised by this uh, when the uh, head came off because I was like, oh, it's like the Mononongle because it's a cryptid thing. I know it's like it's a little different, though. It's like, well, where have I seen this before? And then the head comes up and uh, it's a was it a, a penangolin is where the head comes off with the with the entrails uh, below its neck. Mononongle is the torso comes off and it grows wings and flies around and has a big ass tongue. And so, you know, as a uh, fan of uh, cryptids, um, it, it was fun watching watching this version of it, even though it's you know it's certainly dated. Um, <laughs> actually, some of the some of the effects kind of work though. Yeah. I, I, like it is is the pig. Is, <laughs> oh, dude, the the pig monster. Uh, the the I mean the. The fireballs when they turn into the fireballs and they go flying around. I mean, obviously it was like a uh, probably like a tennis ball and two tennis balls on fire floating around in strings, but I mean it, it looked cool. Like the they had the cheesy effects, but it, it kind of worked to its worked to its advantage. This is Tur- one of those- Turbo Kid, Turbo Kid, Turbo That's the name kid? of the movie. Yeah, okay. But uh, so th- this, I mean, we just got done talking about Matty Doe, but uh, w- you know, when I saw the Penangolin and was thinking about the Mononongo, I was like, oh, that'd be so cool if uh, Matty Doe did something with this because I-, I think she could have done something cool. And then come to find out that that's when I found out, oh, 
that is the monster she used in the creep show. <laughs> well, fuck me, that's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, th- this is uh, um, Mystics in Bali is a this is like a half star movie for most people. And the the it's like the oh, oh fuck what was it stunt rock that <laughs> was called it stunt yeah rock. right uh, <laughs> uh, stunt rock this is kind of like up there like it if you know what you're getting into and you can get in with the uh, the cheese and the vibe of this I think you can have some fun with it it's not good but it's still kind of fun because it's almost so ridiculously bonkers that how can you not have fun with it and again a drinking game i tried and gave up on quickly oh god no every time the witch laughs (laughs) take a drink you will be dead like 15 minutes into the movie (laughs) okay so that is mystics in bali this is kind of like you said like a half star but bruce what maybe you and Eric are giving it some really good generous stars because you enjoyed it just out of sheer enjoy- enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably three and a half stars. I think it's a solid recommend for people who like oddball, uh, unintentionally campy, but also genuinely fun to watch movies. I think it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Cool. This, yeah. This probably be a four star for me again, much like stunt rock. You have to be on its wavelength. Otherwise this is, this is a half star for most people. But if you can, uh, if you can get with the oddballness of it, then you will uh, lose your head over mystics in Bali. <laughs> <laughs> you will lose your head over mystics in Bali. Very good. Eric Holmes of that. Well, well played, sir. Well played. Okay. So that is it for, for this week of find your film. Before we do that, let me just say for our Dean Koontz wallet watch for next week, my choice is this movie actually from Charles Dorfman, writer-director from Barbarians. He mentioned a movie called Sweet Smell of Success, directed by – who directed by? Uh, someone McKendrick. I'm trying to think. I, You know, I'm usually stumped the band on this, but I think – oh, yeah. Alexander McKendrick is a guy. But so anyway, Sweet Smell of Success, it stars – it, it, who does it start? It starts Burt Lancaster, which should excite you, Eric Holmes, and Tony Curtis, black and white film shot in New York City. So if you want some more insight on that, check it out. I, I believe currently it's available on Tubi, possibly in the Criterion channel. Yes, Eric Holmes. I have I have to check my boxes. I might have this on uh, Criterion. So perhaps if I can find if I can dig it out and not just run it on YouTube and <laughs> pay for it after I already own the thing. But uh, perhaps maybe even do a quick uh, Blu-ray uh, review as well. That sounds very good. That if sounds if I can find it, if I can find it. Otherwise, I'm just going to buy it on YouTube. <laughs> Bruce, I've been I've been pestering Eric Holmes for the last two years about uh, purchasing movies on YouTube. Should I shut up because I'm the I'm the guy who watches movies on his iPhone? Yes, yes, you should shut up. <laughs> you your should phones. not shut up. Greg, you should never shut up. You know, I was I was I was waiting for the ultimate punchline, Bruce. You know what that is? Yes, Greg, you should shut up. iPhone not included. <laughs> so, anyways, before we go, any final thoughts from you, Eric Holmes? Yes, uh, check out Maddie Doe's. She didn't have many movies, but they're all great. And I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start watching the rest of uh, Christopher Larson, the ones that he wrote as well. I think there's like three or four more that I still need to see. So hopefully, I'll be able to seek those out. Wait, I'm going to put you on the spot. I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot to ask you. I'm only halfway through that whole long sip. How's the drink? It's really good. Uh, it's, it's, I, it's a little too sweet for me because I, I can't do sweet stuff that much because it messes my guts up. But mm. I mean, it's, it's uh, actually as a shot, it works a lot better as a shot. But it, you can certainly sip on it. And uh, taking it as a shot, I mean, I can do those all day, which I won't because I'll die. But <laughs> Bruce, the long sip was it a good? Was it a good sip for you? It is, and 
and she's just like adapt it as as you want it, but it's really cool. Yeah, it's a good it's a good drink. Okay. Bottoms up. Final thoughts from Bruce Perky. Well, I am going to surprisingly throw it back to Eric, and I want Eric to take us out with a laughing witch, because I think that's how we need to end in this episode. <laughs> We're all scared, folks. We will see you next week on Find Your Fault. <laughs>